All right. Leadership is something I am super passionate about. I've literally been hosting and a recipient of education around leadership since I was in elementary school, and I am not exaggerating. I hosted leadership workshops in middle school and was trainer in high school and all these different pieces. And so leadership is such a part of who I am. And I want you to know, no matter what role you play today, no matter what title you'd put on your lapel or how you'd sign your signature name, whether it comes with little letters prior to or not, that you are a leader and we need you. I need you. I need you to show up as the entirety of who you're created to be and to do so with charisma and to do so with character and to do so with integrity to be creative, to be authentic. And it's easier said than done, right? I mean, we can speak to that, but how? Well, today's guest, Rudy Rickstein, does tell us the depths of how to do it. And he does it so graciously with a lens of empathy. He is the coach to leaders. He's the leader of leaders. He is world renowned in his work. He has so many examples that are so rich inside of this podcast that will talk to you how he and why he is the top five business coach in the world, even next to Tony Robbins and Jim Quick, and how he's the top 10 entrepreneur for innovators and companies in 2021. Like he, he has the clout, but more so importantly, he has the heart. And that is why we're connected and why I wanted to share him with our community here with Fit and Faith community, the Fit and Faith Network, and be sure that you get in touch with him. Follow him on social media. Get in touch with what he has to offer because it's richer than what he could offer even in this podcast as much as it was so rich and so wealthy. Rudy, I love you. I thank you not only for the brother that you are in the kingdom, but the father that you are in your family and the leader that you are to so many. I am taking notes again as I listen to this the second time, but y'all enjoy and take notes yourself and make sure that you take stock. You'll know what that means by the end of the show. All right, y'all enjoy. Welcome to the Fit and Faith podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie-cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. So you're not allowed to be in a bad mood after you listen to those tunes. You just have to come into Fit and Faith Podcast to dance with a little bit of groove. <laughs> Rudy, I saw you in the back room, the green screen, and he was just like, yeah, let's go. So we're excited to be here with you today, y'all. If you're tuning in either live or you're tuning in for the show later on your walk or your car ride to work or your bathtub, we don't, we don't care where you're at. We just hope that we get to make an impact and a lasting impression. I am super excited to introduce you to my friend, Rudy, who I had the pleasure of meeting and getting to know at the Embrace Your Ambition conference earlier this year in Denver. Rudy, I'm pumped to have you here. Thanks for, thanks for coming. 
You know, thank you so much for the honor and the privilege to be here today. Truly, truly, truly is an honor and a privilege. I like to start anything and everything by just thanking people for time. It's my 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 go-to because time is the most valuable resource. It's the only thing that we have. And then when we spend that time, right, we want to make sure we get the most out of it. And so to you for having me here and for your audience for listening, I'm just honored and I'm privileged and thank you so much. And yes, I was uh, bopping in the, in the <laughs> background and I still am a little. <laughs> I love it so much. I mean, I'm constantly in that sway, that mama sway, you know, that people have. I'm like constantly like, when's the next tune going to break out? I, I almost broke out in song this morning on Clubhouse and I was like, actually, I'm going to spare you guys. <laughs> it was so good though. And I, I think if we constantly live in the state of like, what tune are we, are we strumming today? You know, what's going on in our soul that that heartbeat is how you enter a room. It's how how you leave, you know, whimsically, if you are whimsical in nature. But Rudy, when I first met you, there's like this playfulness about the way that you show up into a space, but there's also this authority that I love so much, which is not surprising that you're, you know, an awarded top five coach alongside Tony Robbins and Jim Quick. It's not surprising that you're a worldwide speaker and you've been recognized as a top 20 thought leader uh, alongside Deepak Chopra and, and all these beautiful people, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, but I want to know like the backstory of like, how did you get into that rhythm? How did you get into that flow of who you are? Um, how was it established? You know, that's uh, uh thank you for that. That's, it's a beautiful question and it's such a long, long, long story. And I'm going to spare you <laughs> the, the, the details, but I will say I was always born with a little bounce in my step. And then at one point in time, um, I allowed that, that little bounce in my step to go away. And the very serious side of Rudy, the authority that you meet, you know, that came out, but not in a positive mm. way. And, um, you know, my life story is a good one, but I had a lot of compounded small traumas that helped me become who I am today. But I had to take a really long journey to, to come back full circle. And so, you know, my trauma started as a really young boy being called stupid, being told I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, feeling like I was born on the other side of the railway tracks and then having evidence show me that I wasn't good enough. I went to a school that was a government, very military style school. We were caned and beaten and, you know, we were called stupid and dunces and made to sit in stupid dunces chairs with hats on and, you know, just being treated like you're just not good enough and not worthy. And I felt more and more and more as each year went by that my light was being put out. You know, I'll sit at home today talking to my children with my parents about my childhood and my parents will talk about how eager I was excited and motivated and joyful and always running around. And I have a son that has a song in his heart all day long. Like God is singing in his head all day long. He's always singing, usually Christmas carols, but he's always singing <laughs> and uh, he's eight years old. And you know, I loved his zest for life. And my mother will say, I used to have that. And then I lost it around about eight years old, nine years old. And I became very serious, very dark, very like I had to protect myself, my feelings, my emotions. And then I had to be very serious. And I had to grow up really fast. And uh, it took me a really long time to get back to a place where, you know, I, I walk around proud and, and, uh, um, confident in my my wanting to just bounce my head around and sing my song and hum a tune and i I appreciate that that you see that because you know i've worked really hard to get back to it. Yeah. And I think there's probably so many people listening who can relate whether there was a season of life or whether they're in that season now. And I think that their question would be like, you know, how, how did you get it back? 
what did you do? Um, because not only from an element of like this, the childhood traumas that you're men- mentioning, but just the state of the world. Like, it feels like there's so much pressure. There's so much trying to put us back into a straight jacket, right? And I say back into because those traumas can put you into the initial one. You feel like you break free and some element of trauma, it triggers back into that place of darkness. And so I'm curious for you, like, what was that journey like and how can that be of support to the listener today? So to support your listeners, I'm going to tell you an abbreviated version of my story in three stages that I think is really going to serve the answer to the question. Uh, and, and that is at 16 years old, I knew who and what it is I was going to have and to be in and do in the world. I was sitting in school and a parent came in to speak. He was a motivational teacher. He was a business coach, actually. And he came in to speak to the school and the entire room went dark. In my mind, it was him and it was me. And there was this light shining on him and there was this light shining on me. I had, you know, goosebumps everywhere. I called them angel bumps. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm going to do with my life. But I was too insecure to start doing it. I didn't believe I was good enough or worthy or who would listen to me, right? Because I, who am I to, to have a voice or to speak on a stage? I haven't done anything or achieved anything. The reason I felt that way was at the beginning of my story, which was what I had started alluding to, was my first day of school. I walked in and the teacher said to me, hey, you're Carl's brother. And I was like, yes, that's my older brother. And she said, well, go sit on the dunce's chair because that's where the stupid kid kids, you know, they sit there. And if you're anything like your brother, you're going to spend the year there. And I couldn't believe it in that moment, a defining moment where an authority figure called me stupid and then separated me from everyone else in the classroom. And they made me sit there. Now, in all fairness and, 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 and transparency, I wasn't the only child that sat in that chair that year. But in that moment, it was the first time I had ever been called something that made me feel like I wasn't good enough or wasn't worthy. And then it compounded when she asked a question and I stuck my hand up and I didn't get the answer right. Then she'd call me dumb, dumb or stupid. And, you know, it just made me want to, to withdraw a whole lot more. So that when eventually I was 16 years old, I was a kid that never did homework. I never studied. I never showed up. I was a loud mouth. I was kind of like a class clown. You know, teachers would say, um, I was either going to be arrested or I was going to, you know, make present because I was just making so much noise. And, and I, I really feel sorry for the people that were around me because I couldn't have been a very joyful person to be around because I didn't know me. I was trying to be what I thought everybody else wanted me to be. And in, you know, transparent, had I been me, people would have wanted to hang out with me. And so yeah. I constantly felt like there was this thing missing. And at 25 years old, uh, it was actually right before my 26th birthday, but around the age of my 25th year, I remember sitting down one night and taking stock of my life. And in that moment, I sat back and I said to myself, hang on a minute, I actually, I can't be stupid. And I remember having that conversation saying to myself, but I cannot be stupid. How is it possible that I am so stupid if I own three businesses, if my businesses are successful, if my life looks like this? And I started looking at physical things to, to justify my worth. And I had amassed all of these things, but I still felt like that six-year-old boy, it just wasn't good enough. They couldn't do anything, couldn't achieve anything. And I started that moment stacking evidence of what was working in my life. I try to find meaning in everything. And it was a really long journey for me. That journey of, of my inner dialogue was at least 10 years. But I started to question every aspect of my life. And I found meaning in what is my life. And, you know, today I'm 44 years old. I can sit back and tell you hand to heart, 
I had the greatest childhood of anyone I know. I've had the most incredible experiences. That teacher that told me that I wasn't good enough, I love her. I send her a tremendous amount of love because I now know what it feels like to meet people at where they're at and what the values is that it gained. You know, we talk about hindsight. You know, you have to wait for hindsight to kick in so that you can look and gain a vantage point. But what I'm what I'm really good at doing right now is being able to see that every moment in life is serving who we are and more importantly, what we get to do with that information next. And so if somebody's listening to this and they're going through something that feels really hard right now, I want you to know it's the best thing that's ever happened to you. You just haven't figured out how or why yet, but there's value in it. You know, that girl that broke my heart that cheated on me or the guy that held me up in an armed robbery or all the little things that happened in my life that got me here, they're all blessings. They're all beautiful and they're all divinely led. And so today I can sit here whole in my heart and whole in my purpose and whole in my mission to be able to say, I have value because there isn't a person that I cannot connect with or relate to in some way, shape, or form to get to do what I knew I was capable of doing at 16, but didn't have the courage to do at that time. And so uh, I would say take take stock of everything that's happened to you in your life because it's not so much about you, but about what you get to do with it. And then more than that, who gets impacted by that? And we can apply that to any industry in any place in life. Ooh, I'm over here. If I had a hanky, I'd wave it. If I could get up from the mic, I would. Because <laughs> I feel like there's there's so much richness in what he just shared, y'all. First off, I think it's that element of like the stock, right? It, it, is that so many people are doing that in hindsight. And I want, and I know that this is probably an element of how you serve leaders now is what is happening with you right now? Can you open your eyes? Can you become woke to the current situation so that you don't have to look at it from hindsight and you can see the blessing that it is now, the opportunity that it is now? I I speak to people often and when I do, I'll share this idea that we're always looking on the exterior of self for that proving, for that knowing, even as you did, you're like, wait, all the stuff around me is proving something different, but why don't I feel internally the way that this external is manifesting itself? And one, I believe that that was a God thing in and of itself, right? Like he's giving you something to say, hey, look at who I've created you to be now step into it, right? That's that authority piece with empathy that you were able to eventually utilize as a superpower. Um, But simultaneously, I tell them that like they themselves, their imprint, their voice, they are the opportunity. And they're what so many people are looking for, not in a need to take something or extract something or even exchange value from a financial perspective, but they're looking to to you to speak. They're looking to you to share. They're looking for you to stand up and be that business leader or that that father or that friend that they d- so desperately needed that you so desperately needed when you were younger. And so that that part just gets me going. I'm super pumped about it. You know, I think that uh, every single person is going through the most incredible journey and this journey is like a layering of the cake and it's adding another layer and another layer and another layer that is constantly serving them. And then what, as I'd mentioned, what they get to do with that next. And, and if I go into businesses and I work with people or I go into, you know, an individual or I'm just having a, a conversation with my wife, you know, everything that we're experiencing, it's impacting 
everything else around us, whether it's personal and or professional. And it's because wherever we go, that's where we are. And when we go into work or we go into a friendship or we go into a meeting, we're all taking every part of what it is that we've had, what we've experienced, what we're thinking, what we're feeling into every single one of those interactions. And so to me, it changed my commitment, if you will, to do that internal work, to create that shift for me when I assigned a value to how I feel and how it impacts others. And so I no longer have permission to show up in a bad mood. I don't have permission to have a bad day. Now, I'm not saying I don't have bad days. I mean, I'm very much human and I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I just get back into bed and I do my best to get back (laughs) out again the right way. But you know, we have those days, but it's no longer acceptable for me to stay there because I'm committed to creating that positive impact everywhere. And doing the same with leaders, doing the same with companies and, uh, and, and spreading that. The thing that you said right there that really spoke to me is everywhere I go, there I am. And I remember being in a season as an ineffective leader, even an ineffective leader to myself, an ineffective leader to my, at the time, waddlers, I call them. They were barely walking, right? Um, even to my husband and to my family members, like everyone that I was surrounded with, because I was showing up as the fullness of who I was in that season and where I was in that season was masked, was overwhelmed, was perfection driven. Um, I didn't have a full understanding of my gifting and I was standing in the mirror, but void of myself. I was like running from my spirit man, if you will. And this sounds really ethereal to those who are like, what is she talking about? But I, I mean, it so desperately for people to grasp hold of, because I think we're all searching for something. And sometimes what God wants us to do is to search within what he's already gifted to you, right? And that you actually are enough, that you actually are worthy. It goes right back to the conversation of you as a child. And I know when you look to your son now, Brady, right? That's his name. Yeah. When you look to Brady, like you see the entirety of who he is and also who he's becoming and you celebrate that. And you're probably at this point already because of the trauma you went through, extracting that greatness in him with words, with affirmations every single day. And I needed to get to the place where I was comfortable enough to stand in the mirror and affirm myself based in the identity of who God called me because I didn't feel like I was enough in my flesh, if that makes sense. It makes all the sense in the world. And I think every single person that's listening to this can resonate with what you've said and how beautifully you've said it because, you know, we've all at some point in time, either in the past or right now, and I would argue for most of us right now on some level, we don't feel worthy of something, right? So is that a dollar value in your bank account? Is that a relationship? Is that friendship? Is that the quality of any of those? You know, is that what you do for a living or the fulfillment you have when you go to bed at night? And it's when we start to stack the evidence of where we are worthy and why we are worthy. And the fact that we're here, we get to create that shift and fill that from the inside until eventually it comes outside. I lived I want to say at least 15 years of my life feeling like I wasn't good enough. I resonate with you looking in the mirror and thinking, you know, this is empty or it's what's wrong or what do I need to do or how do I need to shift? And there were so many moments that showed me glimpses of where I could, what potential lay there. But then I would, I would override them with all of my insecurities and weaknesses until eventually, you know, I had to start taking that level of accountability for myself because I was waiting for somebody to give it to me. 
I was expecting somebody to come in and say, oh, Rudy, you're, you're smart now. Rudy, you're great now. Rudy, you can do something. And, and it really was me that had to create that shift inside of me until I eventually started seeing that, that shift outside of me. You, you mentioned something, and I, I really feel inclined to share. You know, I was 20 years old, and, uh, and I was managing a group of around 60 people. And I was really proud of myself at 20 to have a team of 60. And I was like caught up in the ego of being so young, but being in charge of something so big. And one of the greatest lessons I've ever had in life was when the owner of the company came in, they never came in. And when they came in, they called an all you know company meeting and they sat all 60 people down. And then they put a chair in the front of the room with me in the front in that chair. And they said, Today, we're creating a safe space for everybody to tell Rudy how they feel about Rudy. And I sat there for around four hours and heard people talk about me, to me, about my experience or their experience of me in, in their life and in that business. And, and it was the most painful four hours of my life. I cried the whole way home. I cried that whole night. I did not want to go to work the next day, but it made me one of the greatest leaders because I wasn't showing up as a good leader, not because I was a bad guy, but because I had all these insecurities that made me say my business, my decision, my meeting, not our meeting, our business, our goals. And it was those moments that became really, really defining and helped me show up as a very different version of myself. And so, yes, I do take those lessons and apply them when talking to my son who's eight or my daughter who's seven or whoever it is uh, as a company. But you know, it, it speaks into beautifully how every one of these lessons that we have in life serve who we get to become. And that one four-hour moment was such a gift, not at the time, but in hindsight, again, because I get to teach that now and I get to recognize when people are in that space. Yeah, I think about being in that chair, right? And and I think about the leader who put you in that chair and I'm like, I don't know if that was the kindest thing to do right? or if that is what I would want or need. Um, but I, I, because I've taken stock in my life in the past, I am very conscious as a leader that I have to do this consistently because of the impact that we as humans have on other people connected to us, especially those that we're in co close proximity to like our family every single day. But I think what can make people an effective leader even more so is doing that head and heart work and evaluation. And then like this person gave you the opportunity is to not present your findings, but to receive their findings so that you have a better question to ask yourself in private. And I think when I say that, I mean it in the sense of we have this level of excellence that we want to achieve. We have this level of excellence of or expectation, I believe, in how we should operate as a person. And we have that same expectation over somebody else who's either on our team or we're connected to. And it can often fall underneath that level of expectation. And there's this element of gap. Have you read the gap versus the gain? Are you familiar mm -hmm. with that? With I think yes. it's Benjamin Hardy. And this morning I had this revelation that because so often we exist in the gap and that gap is the unworthiness. The gap is I'm not good enough. The gap is I'm not rich enough. The gap is you fill in the blank with your you know, struggle. And I had this revelation that it's less about the gap of us not being able to meet that expectation. And it's more about the fact that our intimacy with God fills the gap. 
right? And so the more I come into alignment with who he is, the more I can get ego out of the way, though ego's always present. Um, but I can, I can put infuse him and his strength. So he was the best leader ever. If you watch the way Jesus even rebuked, there was elements of rebuke that he had to give the disciples. Sometimes he always did it in love and that's being an effective leader. And so what question are we asking ourselves that makes us a more effective leader, but simultaneous to that, what are we recognizing as the gap and how can we lean to God for the the full revelation of that excellence that we're looking to achieve without finding guilt or shame in the fact that we can't do it in our own flesh? You know, I love the way you brought that in, and I'm going to to share with you something that I've been doing to great success since COVID started because companies shifted the way that they worked with people and they had to get a little more creative. Obviously, for the most part, everybody was locked at home. And so Zoom opened up a whole new world. But what I've started doing is working with companies where you create weekly calls or monthly calls. And for anyone listening, I highly recommend you do this. You don't necessarily have to hire me or someone like me. You could do this in your own business. But we would create with either departments or entire organizations, depending on size, we have these weekly calls where we get them to set a personal and a professional goal. And then at the end of the week, we measure whether they achieved the personal or professional goal. And then if they didn't, we ask them what's in the gap. Now, here's where the beauty comes in, because in the gap is where we bring in what is your relationship like with yourself? What is your relationship like with God? What is your relationship like with whatever? And it starts to become this incredibly beautiful place where people start to get seen. They get to feel valued and appreciated. They become connected to purpose within their life and their business. And when a business is actually supporting the individual, not just the business, the businesses start to thrive. And so the more we focus on the people, and that's why I love the word that you just chose to use to introduce the topic, which was the gap, right? Because every time we do one thing, it's how we do everything. We've heard that so many times. And so if you want to be able to achieve something and you don't, let's say it's go to the gym five days this week and you don't show up. Well, what is in the gap for you in not going to the gym? Where did you not think that you were worthy or your body was worthy, the vessel that you're carrying that you've been gifted to show up so that you can be the best version of it? And all of this starts to uncover these beliefs we have about ourselves or the lack of the beliefs we have about ourselves. And that's also showing up in the boardroom. You know, it's showing up at home in your relationships. And so it is a beautiful, beautiful question to always ask. What's in the gap for me? Why didn't I achieve that? You know, if I wanted to do it, I said I'd set the intention for it. I came up with it. Why wasn't I able to? And how is it making me feel? And then here's the really powerful question. When was the last time I felt that way? And then an even better question, when was the first time I felt that way? And you take those three points of reference and you can start to build a case of, oh, you know what? I didn't I didn't do it because I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel worthy because at one point in time, I was told I wasn't worthy. And here I've had evidence of when I wasn't worthy. Well, am I worthy? And then we get to bring in the truth, right? We're all an extension of this incredible, beautiful, powerful force that created the world. And by default, for that reason alone, we are worthy of a perfect, beautiful, happy, healthy body, relationship, bank account, or whatever it is that we want to have to be and to achieve. Oh my goodness. This is this is all book material. This is way more than a podcast, you guys. This is like such a life lesson right here. And I, I think... Because I exist in like the marketplace, if you will, and, and as do you from a leadership perspective, there's often probably just businesses, right, that are knocking at your door. There's that element, and you've said it twice, and, and it's plastered on our website. It's plastered in, I believe, the best leadership 
um, trainings. It's the, it's not just professional development. It's personal development. And if we can come into that alignment factor and realize that our presence actually precedes every situation, like that chair did for you, like that there was a presence of the Rudy that was sitting in that chair, but there was also the presence of the expectation of Rudy and the promise that God had for you of like, you can go higher. And he knew you sitting in that chair was something you needed to diminish ego and sustain his evidence of your worthiness. And so I I just hope that people are grasping hold. It's why we do all this stuff for business development. But at the end of the day, my favorite thing that we do is women's retreats because we're like taking away like just the glitz, the glam, and not to say that there's not fun and and pampering on them. There are, but I just think that we're so surrounded by so much exterior validation and consumerism that we're not even capable of understanding like the depth of who we are. I feel like we're just distracted by that depth. You know, I think the biggest mistake that people make is to believe that something outside of them, and you said this earlier, and I think it it serves underlining that people are looking for validation outside of themselves, that validation of, you know, I have to have the good looking husband or the good looking wife, or I have to have the perfect looking family. You know, I've met a number of people in the last two years that have wanted to get a divorce, you know, COVID has forced them inward. They question themselves, their lives. And when talking about it. They don't say, oh, I don't want to leave them for this or I want to leave them for that. They're saying, what are people going to think of me? Their question is, how are people going to judge them? Not about where they're at or what work they could do to create a shift to repair where they're at. And that's a completely different discussion. But we're always looking for outside indicators. And when we turn inward and say, what is it that I can do to set myself up to be the best version of what I can be. And then when I walk into a room as the best version of me, how can I then, you know, impact other people to be the best versions of themselves? I say the greatest leaders are leaders that lead by example. You don't have to be the CEO to lead a company. You know, you can be an outsider. I go into companies for an hour a week. I go into companies for an hour and that's it. I go into companies on a virtual platform and I can create an impact in an organization and I can be a leader because I'm showing the example of what is possible in that moment. And that's the thing that people need to walk away from is that when you can start to look at yourself as an important part of the cog, a very necessary part of the entire process of humanity, of how you show up, and then when you inspire somebody else to be a better version of themselves, personally, professionally, relationships, children, in every area of life, well, many things start to happen. But the most important one is you start to get into the flow. You start to feel fulfilled. Things start to come easily to you, quickly to you. I work with so many companies that hire me and they say, Rudy, we've hit a glass ceiling. We, we've only achieved so much. We want to take our business from 600 million and we want to get to a billion. We've never been able to do it. How do we get there? And I don't touch product. I don't touch marketing. I touch people. And all we do is support and develop people to feel better about themselves. When they feel better about who they are, why they're there, what their purpose is, they bring purpose into business. I think that is the biggest thing is to bring meaning into what we do every single day. And when you can bring purpose back into business, people show up to work earlier, more excited, more motivated. They show up like they've just walked into your podcast intro and everyone's got a bit of a beat going and, and they've got a bounce in their step and they're excited to be there. Now they start to make friends and connections with people in work. And that's when you hit the billion, two billion and $3 billion mark. And that example I gave you is a real example of how someone said we could never hit 600 
And they dreamed of doing a billion. And now their goal's three billion. And they did that in a really short amount of time. And if I gave it to you on a spreadsheet, you would say, there's no way. It's just not possible. And the only thing we touched was just people and saying, hey, you're in the wrong position. You should be there. Or, hey, here's a different way of communicating. And here's how you motivate people. And just showing up as a different version. And I, I, I say a different version, but what I really mean is a more in touch version, right? A part of you that's okay to go inward and have vulnerability and be real and show up as the best side of you and and not put on this facade of who you should be and couldn't be. And it drives such beautiful, beautiful results, but not only in business. I work in business because I love and thrive in business. I've created three startup companies that were successful. I've worked in corporate America. I work and coach and develop people in business, but you know, this works with anybody. This works with a seven-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old son and a, and a relationship and friendships. And you can do it in the backyard over a grill or you can do it in a boardroom. It truly is just all about people being the best versions of themselves, which is what I love so much about what, what we do. Grow your business for God's sake. No, really, I mean it. Grow your business for God's sake. That's right. Business is ministry and ministry is business. And it's time we take action in this belief and show up in our anointing with fresh fire. This is a cultivation conference. This is an activation conference. I want to see you reap the harvest, the promise that was predestined for you in your purpose and your calling. But you've got to go back to the root in order to do that. Come and let us water you so you can come fully alive and fully free every single day to make the impact you were born to make so others can also reap the legacy of your harvest forevermore. Let's do this. In Nashville, Tennessee, November 3rd through the 5th, you do not want to miss it. Get your tickets today at growforgod.com. That's right, and that's easy, growforgod.com. Can't wait to see you there. Hug your neck together. I'd love to hear more about you stripping uh, people away, uh, you know, the, the, the surface facade to get to the inner root of, of what it is they do. And what would you say is the greatest thing that you take away from those experiences? I would love to know. Yeah, that's so good, Rudy. And, and I want to say before I answer that question, that the word that kept coming into my spirit was synergy. And just like the creation of synergy within ourselves, which then is connected to everyone we're connected with. You talked about like the cog in the wheel and the element. It's like us doing this work, doing this heart work, doing this head work, doing this um, soul work allows us to uh, essentially, essentially just create that fluidity in who we are so that when we're next to the person that God has planted us next to, we have not only synergy, but we have that, um, we're like well-oiled or like a greased machine that's like, let's work, let's go. And there's not that friction. There's not that like same sense of um, conflict when we are in that space of, of flow. And flow and alignment and synergy are like all the things you're speaking to. For me, when I think about um, people coming in and tapping into that part and that purpose that you're speaking to, I just think of shame, honestly. I think of, of this element that so many people carry and they would never point their finger to saying that like, or raise their hand like, yeah, I, I experience shame. But you speak to it so perfectly in your example from even being a little kid, right? And that often those shame cycles, they show up in different ways, but they will rear their head. And so shame to me is like why people exist in the mask 
of who they are. It's like just an element. They're trying so hard to not show their shame. And so therefore they dress a certain way. They act a certain way. They appear a certain way. And it's not just the exterior of like how they look, but it's like, again, that arrogance perhaps, or the, the, that's the hidden, not confidence, right? So I'm going to be arrogant because I'm actually lacking all sense of confidence in myself, or I'm going to, you know, be the loud mouth because I actually don't know what I'm talking about. And only because someone told me I was stupid before, you actually do know what you're talking about, but this is the way you show up into a conversation. You're never the listener. You're always the talker. Like I could strip away so many people and just sit there and like read what's going on and process through I bet you this is the shame piece that they've experienced. Now, I might not know the exact scenario or where it stemmed from the direct derivative, but I often see that shame is the mask of humanity. And once people can extract shame from their life, they show up in purpose in such a powerful way. I've had so many examples of what you've just mentioned in in how people show up, how people expect them to be, or how they've protected themselves mm, in yes. being... And, you know, an example that I want to, I want to speak into, because I think this will really help the listener, you know, so often if I go into corporate America and they are female leaders at a very high level, CEO or C-suites, they are so often, um, behaving in a way that a man would behave and, and they've stopped being what got them into the position, you know, and, and I know that that statement in itself is very controversial, but I want you to imagine if you are in a leadership position and you've been put into that position, then there's a reason for you to be in that position. But you, not a version of what somebody else wants or what you think somebody else wants. And so to me, the most powerful leaders are leaders that show up with the skills that they have. And a female leader can be vulnerable, can be kind, can be compassionate, can be very steadfast, can be consistent, can be courageous, can be all these things. But to only show up as one version or to stifle it into one way because they believe that's what people want, we lose all the other sides of the incredible leadership that brought them to the position of where they're at. And so I want to challenge people you know, to get off this call, to listen today, and then to say, how can I show up as the better version of me right now? And where am I not showing up as the best version of me right now? Whether that's walking into a Starbucks to order your Frappuccino, how can you be the best version of you in that moment? How can you demonstrate tremendous leadership in that moment? How can you serve in that moment? And I was actually, funnily enough, on a podcast just last week, and I'd given this example. And so I think it's a great way to demonstrate leadership is that if you are in a Starbucks or you're at a grocery store and you buy something you know, and someone's bagging your groceries or somebody's, you know, checking you out to, to say a good thank you or to acknowledge them or to buy them a candy bar and to say, Hey, this is for you. And I appreciate you. And those small little gestures is demonstrating, you know, kindness and compassion and humanity that is going to then have that person turn around and say, man, wow, that was such a great impact for me today. Somebody saw me and valued me and appreciated me. How can I do that better? And we start to create those beautiful ripple effects uh, in, in how we show up as a person, not just when we're at the highest level. So it's not to say I'm going to be the best version when I get to the top. How about I just be the best version now? Yeah. And, and there's, I mean, cause we're all leaders in our own right. And I think when you speak to that, people often won't raise their hand, but like, it doesn't matter what role you play. It doesn't matter where you are. You're a leader in your community. You're a leader in your family. You're a leader in your friend group. Everyone is watching you. <laughs> that sounds creepy and big brother, but like, 
everyone is watching you. Whether you get a million likes or you get one like, it doesn't matter if you're not even on social media. If there was like uh, the, the Google glasses and the people are just hearting you as you're walking by, right? Like I've been walking in the morning, which I carried some shame towards. I'm going to be honest. I'm like, golly, I could totally be running, but I don't want to hurt my body. And like, I just need to walk and stop carrying shame that I'm this young girl, like walking, speed walking, (laughs) right? And I've been seeing the same people on my loop in my neighborhood. And I've been waving to the cars that are walking by. And like those little gestures, I don't even care if they respond. I get to be a leader and that person gets to walk past me, breeze past me, whatever, and have an element of, huh, that's, that was different. Why is she smiling so big when she's walking? Why is she waving? Why is she making eye contact for so long? Stop looking at me, right? But it's these little actions that can literally change the trajectory of not only your day, but everyone connected to you. And at the end of the day, leadership is about connection. And there's not one person in the world that is not connected to somebody else. And so it matters for us to show up. And like you said, sometimes you just let it get back in the bed and show up again. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, one thing that you said, Rudy, that I want to leave people with and the connection of, of who we are in humanity is this example of the female, like fierce female that's in, in the workforce. And I struggled with this when I first started my brand. So for a simple solution to people, this is speaking to the authenticity of who you are at your core, rather than trying to answer a solution on the ex- at the exterior of yourself. And I like had like a fake, I won't say it's fake. We created a brand based on what was popular. Let's put it that way. I use like these blush tones and I utilized um, like these floral elements because that was what everyone else was using. And it wasn't until two years later, almost two years, I was reading this book called Boss Up and this girl was in this like white uh, room on the cover and she was wearing these rainbow high heels. And if you're watching this now, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, she stole influence from this girl. And I was, it was not that. I was able to like unleash that I can be a fierce female and wear a sequins rainbow top if I want. And it doesn't change my presence in a space. In fact, it illuminates the light that's inside of me because I'm showing up as the entirety of who I am. Now, that does not mean that you have to show up in sparkles when you go somewhere. You can wear the black power suit if that's who you are. But when I finally stood in like the fullness of who God made me to be uniquely, I found such freedom. And the thing that I know you're phenomenal at, and I want people to learn from you, is the fact that you can 10 times your results with less effort. You can be that high performer based on who you are as a human by simple things and you don't have to change everything. We don't want you to change who you are. We want you to calibrate who you are. A conversation really is going full circle. And I know it wasn't intentioned by us, but it absolutely is tension, intentioned by God. So uh, it's, it's about showing up as who you are, as who you are authentically. And you said a little earlier that something that you're really good at is showing up consistently as a leader. I think that that's a very important part of the process, right? Is to be consistent, to be the same. And so that people know who you are and that when they interact with you, what they're going to get from you. Why you are so incredibly successful today it is because you're authentically you in every area of your life. You know, I've met you personally. I've met you professionally. I've met you in different platforms. And as I've come in to get to know you, you're the same person everywhere. 
So I think the reason why you've been so successful in life, and I hope you don't mind me using you as an example to answer your question, you know, uh, you show up consistently the same every single day in every way, whether I've met you personally, professionally, on stage, talking to me, you know, uh, whether you're talking to an entire audience, whether you're on a podcast platform, you're always authentically who you are. Why that is so important is when people want to get to know somebody, you have something very unique about you that adds value to them and to their life and to their business or to the friendship or to the relationship. And when you show up as a version of you or a part of you and not the entirety of who you are, you're not allowing people to see the full expression of you. You're not allowing people to learn and to gain from the full expression of who you are. And so if you show up in a room trying to be, in my case, confident and positive and strong and all these things, but in fact, I was weak and insecure, you know, then you end up showing up as a very muted version of yourself. You overcompensate in other areas, and then people find there's a disconnect with you. A large part of what I do when I work with individuals, and I sometimes bring this into companies, but is to interject the idea that we're all energy. And if you think about us from an energetic perspective, energy carries a frequency. Your entire body is comprised of atoms, right? You know, neurons, electrons, protons. When you have a single thought, that thought instructs your entire body how to vibrate and at what frequency to vibrate. If you walk into a room dressed all in black, but you really want to be in the sparkle dress, right? People don't understand the disconnect, but they feel the disconnect. When they feel the disconnect, it creates distrust. When there's distrust, they don't like you and they don't know why they don't like you. They just like, oh, I don't feel safe or I'm not unsure. And it's not because they're not safe or they should be unsure. It's you're unsure about you because in that moment, you're not showing up as the person of you that is creating that greatest impact or has the ability to be the best version. And so I, I challenge everybody to show up in rainbow high heels. You know, I, I encourage everybody to be the greatest expression of themselves. Please don't show up in rainbow high heels next time we're speaking together. <laughs> Or do. <laughs> that would that would be interesting. <laughs> no, it's so true though. Like I you I, I don't know that I've ever like framed it in those words. And that's one of my favorite things about like podcasts and having guests like yourself who are analytical on the spot. Like this isn't pre-scripted, you guys. This isn't like what questions are you gonna ask me? And then Rudy comes with all the answers. Like that's not how these work. At least my show doesn't. Um and so I just really value you. I value the way that you show up to like learn as much as you do engage. And I feel even as I'm I'm talking to you today, I'm like, gosh, I have a thousand more questions I want to ask you because I know the work that you do for humanity is so powerful. And so I want I want to hear one last thing from you from a leadership perspective and the thing that really struck the chord with me most in the last part that you said is it's it's actually this distrust element and I've been really prayerful into discernment and like discerning why I feel that way or what is it about them that I I need to I need to even either manipulate myself to interact with them in in a healthy way, manipulate myself, or I need to like steer clear. So when you're thinking about leadership and discernment connected to who we are and how we have to show up uniquely, what is that? What does that look like for you? You know, you've asked that as a closing question, and I so wish it was an opening <laughs> question because so I, I could take the entire hour to just talk about that one topic. This is I want to leave you thinking about this. And I need everyone to know that this is an opening question with an opening answer. And this is truly just the beginning of the journey if this is the first time you're hearing it. 
When you walk into a room, you need to know who you are before you walk into that room. Because if you walk into any room, any meeting, any interaction, and you are not 100% confident about who you are, about how you feel before you walk in there, you're going to be influenced by everything inside that room. And when I say influence, what I mean is we're all energetic beings. And so you and I are having a conversation right now and your energy is infusing with mine and mine's with yours. And there's information that's being passed back and forth because we're living in this incredible world and it's a very much energetic world. And so if I know before I walk into that room that I'm feeling calm, I've meditated, I've journaled, I've had an incredible morning with my family, I'm feeling you know, high on life, I'm loving myself, my job, where I'm going, and then all of a sudden I walk into a room and I feel anxious, nervous, scared, I didn't all of a sudden become anxious, nervous, or scared that energy of anxiousness or nervousness or, or, or scare is in that room. And that is information for me. Now I get to make a calculated, educated decision about whether I choose to stay in that room or what brought that into the room. You know, you asked the question very specifically as a leader, you need to know intimately who you are. You need to have meditated. You need to have journaled. You need to know clear vision of where you're going, what you're doing, why your business is or isn't working so that when you walk in a room and you feel the energy of what is happening around you, now you can make decisions that either keep people in that train or you move them out of that train. You help people take accountability for where they are or for where they want to go because you're tapping into information that's outside of what you're just seeing. 85% of communication is nonverbal. So if 85% of what we perceive and the decisions that we make aren't even from words that are spoken or in print, how are we making decisions in life? You see, I say this all the time. People, if they're not doing the necessary work that is required to know themselves, then they are living a life by default. They are reacting to things that are happening, thinking it's their own. So if you don't know that you're in a good mood, how you feel confident, motivated, walk into a room and all of a sudden you feel anxious, nervous, scared, and you make decisions from being anxious, nervous, or scared, then you haven't made a decision you would have made. You are reacting in that moment as a default reaction to a circumstance. But if you do walk in as an empowered, confident version of you, you see that now you're in a place where you can say, well, why do I feel that way? Where is that coming from? Who is the person that's coming from? Now I can discern. Do I want to go forward? Do I want to stay away from that person? Do I want to learn more? Or maybe what is that person going through right now that that's how they feel? Because their words are saying one thing, but their actions are something different. And then you can have a breakthrough and then you could get a better version of somebody or you could avoid a catastrophe by not going into business with someone. There's just so much information in learning to know who you are so you can make better decisions about where you're at when you're there. You know, I said in the beginning, you always are where you are, right? You walk into a room, you're there. You leave the room, well, now you're there. But where you go in, you're walking into energy. You're walking into this mood. You're walking into information. And for most people, they don't know who they are before they walk in. And so they just react from whatever situation or circumstance is happening around them. And that's probably the biggest thing that I could say to everyone listening. If you don't have a, a meditation practice, if you don't have a journaling practice, you don't have a faith practice that you do in the mornings to connect you to who you are and why you're here, then you're not qualified to walk out of the house yet. Mm, whoa. Y'all, you're not qualified to walk out of your house until these things are done, till this practice is is practiced. And it's different for everyone. And so understand that like 
it, Rudy's not casting shame or judgment over like, what does that practice look like for you? It's, it's different for me too, but I do believe that there's such an element of like being with thyself, knowing thyself. I mean, it's biblical. He's not just like pulling it out of thin air. This is literally like God is asking you to do this work because when you know who you are, you show up in the world with such strength and power that has been gifted to you to create change and to love and to serve and to, you know, give a gift and receive a gift. I mean, all of these pieces of what makes humanity fun, what makes it enjoyable and pleasurable and, and good is this knowing. And I, I know the antithesis and so does Rudy. And so that's why we're passionate about what we do. I want the people who are listening to, to be able to connect with you again, Rudy, where I know you have your website, where do you hang out most on social media? Do you have any resources that they can tune into again? Because this is just scratching the surface of your wealth of information and wisdom. Um, you know, I just want to end before I answer your question by just saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and to be represented. Um, I would love for anybody who resonates with any part of what we've spoken about today to find me at rudyricksteins.com. Obviously, it'll be available in the show notes. Uh, I'm on Instagram at rudyricksteins, uh, LinkedIn. And then I have a podcast with my wife called Empowered Life. That's I-N, Empowered Life, because we believe everything is already within you to be and to live the most empowered version of you. I want to end by saying this one thing. You know, you spoke about uh, when we leave the house in the morning to be the most qualified, right? That we've been given these gifts from God. Well, something else that God gave us was a brain that in the first 20 minutes of the day is going to set the dominant vibrational state of how you're going to feel the rest of the day. So why I speak about getting to know thyself in the first 20 minutes of the day is so that when you feel empowered in those first 20 minutes, it wasn't the first two hours or the first five hours. It was only the first 20 minutes is how your brain's wired to set how you want to feel. And when you really spend time with you, with your creator, with your purpose, with your mission, and you fill your cup, your cup has the ability to run over. Not so that people can drink from your cup, but so that your your actual saucer below your cup is overflowing forever. And then the world can drink from that and it never drains from where you are. And so I do encourage people to create whatever routine they have for themselves so that when they do leave the house and I say they're the most qualified, it's because they know who they are, why they're there and how they can create the best because they've set that in the very beginning of their day. So incredibly powerful. And yes, you guys... I, I want to hear actually from people specifically to this topic. Like, what does that morning routine look like for you? And how is that mirrored throughout the day? Right? How is that mirrored to you? And I think that's an element of of talking about this sense of satisfaction or qualification, or there's so many different words we could use, being in alignment, being in flow, going back to what we talked about before. And I, I, that's the stock. That's the first step of taking stock is like, what does that morning look like? And then how do you feel thereafter? And so if there's a gap that you're existing in, it's likely somewhere in the, the space with you not the space of other people, right? We so often point to like, well, this is happening in society or this is what the government is doing or this is what's happening in my neighborhood or anything that's outside of self. But let's take it all back and go internal, which is where this entire thing has circled back to. And so Rudy... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing the work that you've done for walking through the hard places of your own life so that you can show up as the leader that you are and serve the leaders 
I know I don't make $600 million. So if you guys are listening, don't feel shame around that number. We're going to be billionaires one day, (laughs) but this is where it starts, right? It's the recognition that in order for that cup to overfloweth when it comes to finances associated to the millions or the billions, it really, really, really does. And I can speak from testimony myself that it all changed when I was able to get in touch with who God may be. And I was able to stand in confidence of that and not shy away from it. So Rudy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you again. And what an honor and a privilege to be here. All right, y'all get in touch. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you may even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together, and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and it's going to be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to, and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener, and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.